0: Thank you for taking the time to sit down. Uh, Thank you for having me. The first thing' before, oh absolutely, but the first thing I have to ask is, and I'm sure you get this all the time mm-hmm. is do you do you actually play the saxophone?
1: Oh, so it's funny. I play the trumpet uh I grew up playing okay jazz trumpet, and when that photo was taken mm. many years ago uh yeah, it just my roommate who at the time who took the photo uh he had a sax in his closet and we, we tried both actually. I think there's photos from that photo shoot with me holding the trumpet on the beach too. And the, the saxophone just, it works so much better. Uh, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. That's, that is, I go back and forth on whether I should change that, but it's also, it says a lot about who I am. <laughs> and I just, and I'm like, I'm good. I think I'm, I'm happy to leave that for the, for the time being for the foreseeable future uh i don't it's, i don't like yeah, with it's it. it's a great it
0: representation oh, thank you yeah like when i saw it i was like okay mm. yeah i think there's like there's like two ways this guy can be right and neither is necessarily a bad thing oh
1: good good so, good <laughs> see, I <could laughs> see i could see i could see it one way being like oh this guy's trying pretty hard to be funny and i'm like oh no but you can't you can't uh, make people think one or the other. So you just kind of have to put it out there and, and hope for the best. So I'm glad I'm glad I'm re- glad it resonated with you. It's one of those. And oh, even yeah. the name like white bathrobe on Twitter. I'm always like, should I change this to like Ben Lepley VO? What and is what is the story behind that? The The truth is Ben Lepley was taken and mm. I just love bathrobes. I wear them a lot. Uh yeah. And there's something about going to a hotel and opening the closet and finding that white bathrobe hanging on the shelf and, I, mm. I, or like going to a, like a spa or it also like, to me, there's something about the white bathrobe and the saxophone and the beach aesthetic where I really love, really love like early nineties, late eighties, early nineties, that era um, mm-hmm. like I have this weird obsession with like office furniture and office equipment from the early nineties. Uh, okay. I love like glass bricks. Um, when my partner and I were looking to move that I was driving her crazy. Cause every place we looked at if it had like a, a wall of old glass bricks in it. I was like, Oh, this is the mm-hmm. one, this is the one more, please. And she's like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, so you know, the, the white bathrobe to me also, there's something about like, Oh, the, the, the luxury of the early nineties. It just makes me laugh. And, and so very quickly I had to sort of decide on something since Ben Lepley wasn't there. And I was like, I'll do this. And this was, I think I'd got on Twitter in like 2010. So I was like, I, I won't be on this platform in a year anyway, this is just, just for fun. Mm-hmm. And since then now it's like, I, I i keep having that sort of recurring thought of like do i change the name do i update this do i list some credits and i'm like i don't want to do that i i don't ever i i just i'm, <laughs> I'm content to kind of keep it in this weird time machine bubble this <laughs> it's, it's it feels like it's captured a moment in time that i'm very comfortable with and uh well,
0: you know what it is people will find you right
1: they'll find right. you no
0: matter what yeah right exactly so it's like if your name is if you're screen name or username is white bathrobe that just makes it that much more interesting no offense to you know voice actors out there who are your name vo that's oh yeah no fine and actually maybe more professional but like you know as someone who is stuck with the same username they came up with in elementary school uh for my entire life uh i'm like you know what who gives a shit no you just like you
1: totally get it when i when i when i get into that place of like "Mm, is it time to update it's like should i is it better to just not not stress about this is it better to not stress uh and i've i've found especially the older i've gotten the answer to that question is usually yes it's better to kind of not stress right. about it uh and so and then it ends up being a story and it ends up being i don't know a little bit out of the box which is kind of fun but yeah no, no uh no disrespect to anyone who who wants to make their stuff all about voiceover that's actually that's probably the, yeah we're probably just the saying that
0: we're more interesting than you. exactly that's all we're saying it, it very yeah,
1: very yeah. uh very thinly veiled criticism of, of <laughs> you all
0: <laughs> um now uh we had a brief twitter exchange and mm. you mentioned uh carcass yeah which is much Carcassonne's good shit but I, I'm, I'm wondering do your board game interests extend out outside of Carcassonne much or is it mainly Carcassonne? what's What's the deal
1: there? I'm a real zone head. Uh, we call mm. it, my friends and I call it the the zone zone. So it's like an apostrophe S-S-O-N-N-E zone. That's probably the biggest one, as you saw from that photo of all of those expansions. Um, not probably, it's absolutely the biggest one. Uh, I, I like collecting the expansions and the mini expansions. Uh, mm. And I have a very specific way I like to play, which is I like to torture my friends with it. Okay. So, I actually yeah. this is all very uh serendipit serendipi- serendipitous. Shortly before we started this conversation, I actually ordered my first mini expansion since COVID started because mm, not playing Carcassonne okay. during COVID the way with the amount of expansions that I have. So, I have a list that I printed sure. out that has all of the expansions and mini expansions that I've incorporated into the main game. Shortly before okay. we started the, uh, let's see, that would be the 17th mini-expansion arrived, the Barber Surgeons, uh-huh. which was incorporated into the bag of tiles. Uh, for those who don't know, Carcassonne is sort of a, it's like a city-building game. It's a, sort of a map construction game. You would know better than I would if there's sort of official terminology for it. Uh, yeah,
0: basically just a um, sort of uh, just tile placement yeah. area majority sort of game, right. right? You're trying to, you know, yeah, control areas and build up your, you know, points Point and that sort of thing city yeah black. exactly yeah.
1: And, and the the base game is very fun, but as I've accrued expansions over the years uh i've I've really liked putting them all together and just mixing it all into mm. one big casserole of everything, and as a result, okay. it creates this sort of hellish experience uh yeah. where for my friends where it's a like, car a car casserole if, a car casserole so, thank yeah, you sure. oh oh man, sure, you sure. get ten percent on that one uh. Got it. Thank you. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, put that in the contract. And it literally, it takes, I've only played it to completion with my friends once because it takes so long to get through the game now. And half of the fun mm. is me just delighting in the bureaucracy of it and explaining all of the different rules. So every time a tile gets drawn, oh it's like, ha! Uh, <laughs> you've drawn... <laughs> You've drawn a, a a princess tile, which means you can evict one meeple from the city that you currently share until the city's completion. I go into sort of like lawyer mode, I guess, and yeah, that's yeah. really fun for like the first thirty minutes, forty-five minutes, and then it starts to everybody starts getting exhausted. The fatigue really starts to set in, and only once have Got we ever it. truly gotten to the end of one of these nightmare rounds of Carcassonne that has. Nine expansions and 17 mini expansions. And honestly, as I'm playing it, I'm not even really... I'm so busy trying to, like, explain, like, that's the fruit-bearing tree. So now you have to go Uh over to the fruit pile and draw the fruit. That will determine your next point value upon the the completion of the next tree, a a tile dyad. like. I'm not thinking about playing the game or winning the game. I'm I'm having so much fun just enforcing the mania of all of these different sort of counterintuitive expansions. The one I got shortly before we started talking, there's actually a big note in the instructions. I left it out because this is so funny to me. And it says, uh-huh. this expansion was developed for the Carcassonne basic game. Therefore, the rules stay the same. You can play the the Barber Surgeons along with other expansions as well. However, there will be no official rules for these combinations. And I'm like, that's, that's my kink. I I love it. I, that is, I love taking all of these things that aren't really supposed to be combined and being like, no, we're playing with every single one. This is like when you do the, you go to the fountain drink dispensary and get a little bit of every soda. And it's not that it's like, it's not that it tastes good, but you're doing it because it's there. Yeah. So... Over the years, too, I've acquired like custom meeples, different meeple colors, uh, and I think right now up to twelve people can play the sort of hellscape version of Carcassonne that I've developed. And my dream, my Carca dream, is to get a bunch of people mm-hmm. together and like rent a house for like three days, mm-hmm. stock it with yeah. food, get a huge table, or or do the tile building on the floor, and really do like a seventy-two hour marathon like everybody really plays to win maybe a prize is involved i don't know but like run a little scoreboard sure. like really go all out and and really do this from start to finish and and have everybody involved be people where like after the fun wears off of me frantically expra- explaining these overwrought rules we're just like in it to actually experience the 70 the 72 hour version of carcamania got yeah, it that's that's my dream I don't know if that'll ever happen. You said you finished a game. How long does it take? That took two days, and that was that was actually a while ago. That was more, many many more expansions have been acquired since then. Uh, two days? I mean, like how many hours per day? Oh, not. I should I should clarify. Not two full days. Two like yeah, like nine to five days. I would say like oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was great. So we talk so it was
0: 16 hours mm-hmm. of Carcassonne. Yeah.
1: And the friend the friend who hosted it had he's he's a real a real game nut and he has this enormous table that he built himself for board games and it was perfect because it's just mm. it's it's gargantuan. And you know, I, you have to implement some of your own rules and choices when you're playing a version of Carcassonne this big. One of yeah. one of the questions is the space that you're playing in. Is that, is that space defined? Like That's the definition of where the tiles can go. So if like, you've got a tile nudged up against the edge, you can't build around it. Now, I don't like that because mm. I think Carcassonne's going to go where Carcassonne's going to go. So sure. if you need to put a city, a volcano, a cultist shrine somewhere on the edge and, and it's like you're, you're teetering, Like I don't want yeah. the spatial stuff to get in the way but it's hard because uh-huh. there's so many tiles it's hundreds of tiles now so i don't know if you could really sure. contain it. i don't want to play on the floor because i don't want it to be too uncomfortable but i don't think there's actually mm-hmm. a surface that could really do this properly at this point so yeah there's some there's some stuff to figure out
0: wow now i'm i, I my respect for you has
1: deepened oh as, thank you as, as,
0: as someone who usually doesn't get a lot of expansions for games i'm all about getting many 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 games like trying right. new games trying new games There are a couple games I'll like go
1: all in like uh, Mm. usually I give an experience with like deck building games. The only deck building thing I've ever fully committed to is Slay the Spire. That's it. Uh,
0: Ooh, okay, Okay. which I
1: love, which I love, and I played probably more like far too much of it last year. Uh, But no, I, I deck building stuff always kind of overwhelmed me. Uh, mm. And I don't know why Slay the Spire. I was able to kind of get over that hump more than, than other deck building games. But I, I get what you're saying. The, the, the collection, I mean, you tr- Which ones have you tried? Oh, Magic a long time ago. Uh, I played uh, okay. a Star Trek CCG game, like uh, the, the next generation mm. uh, deck building game for a while. A friend of mine bought a bunch of the old decks uh, from the 90s gotcha. on eBay. And, you know, it's, I, I, can, I can enjoy myself with an evening of that. But I I can't, like, commit to building the perfect deck. But I can commit mm, well, to building it, a Nightmare uh, uh, version of the Carcassonne, carcasserole. So. Car- 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 yeah, right. so I don't know. I, I don't know what that's all about. But no, what uh well Well, let, let me make a clarification.
0: Yeah. Oh, one, one clarification is uh, Magic is a collectible card game. De- the reason why you like Slay the Spire is that's a deck-building game. And that's actually a different genre. True. So deck-building, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with this concept, but... Uh, the whole uh, sort of... You, you you ever heard of Dominion or played Dominion?
1: Uh, I know of Dominion. I have not personally played it.
0: Got it. That's yeah. kind of like what people consider the first deck builder. But what mm-hmm. it is is basically the idea is that every player starts with a deck of like 10 basic cards. And then all you're doing is you're buying more cards to add to your deck and your deck gets stronger and stronger as you go. So it's like... It gives you the appeal of like, say, a Magic the gathering where you mm-hmm. have your fully formed decks. But instead, everyone's starting from the same page. And the fun of it is you're all making your own decks in sort of real time. Mm. Not real time, but from from scratch. So sure. Slay the Spire is that kind of game in that you start with a basic deck of cards. Right. As you get more powerful cards, that's what forms your your strategy. You're all so. sort of you're
1: all sort of drawing from the same pool ultimately. You're not coming in with a yeah. pre with not not coming in with a pre-established deck that you've you've acquired exactly. cards for over time. I see.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, there's like a market that uh you all can buy from and right. so like there are cooperative ones like um one of my favorites is Marvel Legendary. It's mm. a really fantastic nice. cooperative one where you're building up your own hero decks and take going through these scenarios. There's, you know, Dominion which is, you know, very uh confrontational uh the the classic sort of experience so i would say if you like slay the spire there is a whole genre of games that i think Mm. you would actually really enjoy because i actually don't play magic i've played magic once or twice and Mm. i think it's very good but for me there's it's kind of like that overwhelming it's a prohibitive like barrier to entry right of like sure i got to spend all this money on these cards and i got to figure out the meta and uh, I, I just I don't have time for that. Like for people, that's like a lifestyle game. Like people who play Magic, right. that's all they play. Whereas for me, I'm all about like, okay, I've got ten new games. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're, <laughs> all, try about, these you're out, all about you
1: know new experiences, which I really respect. I'm I'm all about digging really deep into this bit that I have, where mm. it's like, ooh, it's time to make everybody who plays Carcassonne with me suffer, and the absur- yeah. the absurdity of it's almost become it's almost become just a bit that I can't get out of like in a feedback loop where it's just yeah. like, no, I, I have to keep topping this. So the next time we do Carcassonne, mm. it's, it's like not really about enjoying the game anymore. It's about like, yeah. although I will say the collecting side of it, I still get so excited when I find a new expansion and when the tiles come in and I, I sort of my partner just got me a bigger carcassone bag as a gift recently because the tiles were spilling out of the old one. It was, it couldn't contain the tiles anymore. So this is the first time I, it's the first time I popped those tiles out of the cardboard casing and they fell off like, you know, really good cooked meat off the bone. It was just super Mm -hmm. satisfying and adding them into the bag and shuffling it up. And then kind of being like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, when am I, when (laughs) am I going to play this? But like, and I was looking the other day, there's, there's one that got released over 2020, and the the whole conceit is like there there are rioters in Carcassonne. So on the roads mm. and in the cities and in the farms, you can lay down a rioter piece, and it basically like empties the area of meeples. And mm-hmm. I was reading the description out loud to my partner from the other room, and every time... I like got a sentence in. I said, oh, how exciting. I kept interrupting myself <laughs> with the words, oh, how... And I wasn't doing it on purpose. And I realized yeah. by the end of reading the the, the summary description of the Rioters uh, expansion, I was like, I, I've said, oh, how exciting three times. So there is part of me that also still loves this beyond the yeah. bit. It's complicated. It's a complicated relationship. Um, but no, I respect that... I respect that you have as many games as you do because I feel like you're constantly just trying to expand your scope. You know, uh, you're... Like, I, I actually really like that. Game nights are something that I really miss. Mm. I've done a few, like, you know, virtual tabletop things with friends. I actually played um, Twilight Imperium for the first time in Tabletop Simulator oh, over COVID. Okay. But I was, yeah. I was in my apartment in the Valley in July mm-hmm. and it was like 110 degrees and the air conditioner was broken and I was like, this is just... I think I would really like this if it was in person. I just, I miss that, like the ritual of just getting together at like a board game store and taking a table over and everybody bringing their like their top three and even discussing like, Oh, like what are we in the mood for? Um, Mm -hmm. I I miss that so much there. There was such like a, like a fellowship aspect to that, that I just, I, I feel like that I can't, I can't get that feeling when I'm doing stuff, uh, over discord mm-hmm. which makes me sad yeah. but the good news is people are trying to get vaccinated and i think like you know game nights are are feasible again i think
0: in the near term oh so. they they are as long as everyone's vaccinated exactly, yes, I've, been exactly. Go, I've been going hard now oh good uh, this the closest thing i get to your carcassone thing is the reason why i brought up deck builders is mm-hmm. i do with certain games buy every expansion but with mm-hmm. With deck, a lot of deck building games, it's more, it's not nearly as crazy because, so let's say for Marvel Legendary, for example, I think I might have, I might at this point have like 20, 20 expansions or something crazy, mm-hmm. but I have them all in like their, you know, with their custom labels, of course, in, right. in this giant box. But the way the game works is it's like, I have a randomizer app where I can just, it just automatically, I just input all the, all the expansions I have and then each game it just spits out. Okay, play these five heroes. Play this scenario. Go. Oh, I uh, love that. Yeah.
1: I, the, the idea yeah. of a randomizer that makes so much sense because then you still have the fun of getting it all, but you yeah. don't have you don't have to play it all every time. Oh, I love that.
0: That to me is you know infinite games essentially. Like there's sure. n- you, like you and, and it makes it so that adding more content uh, still feels very exciting. I'm like oh, but let's add these heroes in, and then when, if what what if this hero plays with this hero it. You're always discovering new combinations. Like Aeon Zen is another great deck builder. That mm. I do all that with just I'm playing through it right now, and you know, trying all the new characters and mixing up all the all the cards or whatever. It's that's that's my closest I get to what you do with Carcassome. Now, sure. one thing I have, I mean, we can just. I mean I I'm finally we talk about board games the entire time and also sure. if you're looking for a board game uh board game nights uh, we can talk after this. Yeah, we'll but, we'll be uh, we'll be
1: connecting after this. I yeah, will say hey, I will be, real, we'll, we'll we'll be discussing. Yeah. <laughs> real quick just before I forget uh on yeah. the topic of cards. I I think I've told you this on Twitter before. I also feel like we've one of the funny things about things like this is you know like voice actor Twitter I guess is that I feel like mm-hmm. I've met you before and this is our legitimately our first time having a conversation. This happens mm-hmm. to me all the time with voice actors where I just, you, you see them on Twitter so much and it creates this mm-hmm. really interesting experience where the first time you sit down to have a conversation or work on a project together, you're like, I've never actually, I've never exchanged words with you in my life. So forgive me, I can't remember if, if I've told you this on Twitter before or not, but one of your videos, the mm. I believe it's the one with the voice prompts for card games. yeah. I, yeah. I latched on to, hey, I'm riding here. And I say that <laughs> so much. I don't know what it is about that micro moment, but like in yeah. the car, like when someone cuts me off, my go-to, note, I was like, hey, I'm riding here. And I'm like, oh man, it is such a specific moment from that one video. I don't know what, how it got its hooks in me, but it did. So I have I have to tell you that, and I and thank you. No, for, I thank you for your work. I I'm a big fan.
0: I deeply appreciate that. I have definitely had friends and friends of friends be like, uh, yeah. There's one line from your videos that just has mm. become part of my vocabulary, and to me, that is one of the deepest compliments because that's like what Homestar Runner did to me, right? Sure, Homestar oh, Runner totally. was what was infected. It infected my vocabulary. Yeah. And so to to know that you know anyone out there. Has like one silly little phrase that just inserts it. because I do that all the time with like you know uh fucking vines and TikToks of a funny like, video. It, it just becomes part of your regular vernacular. Yeah, uh, there's, so
1: there's, there's something about I think something about pacing, that. something about pacing. You know, like I used to little moments mm. from like I'm trying to think of a good example, and I'm probably not going to come up with it right now, but something like like a Simpsons episode where it's like mm. you know. Oh, right. The gas. It's like my, my best friend and I say that all the time mm-hmm. and it's, or like man alive, this man is alive. It's like the, the, <laughs> the phrasing of it just sort of yeah. like earworms its way into your head. And you'll just, you'll say it in response to things with that person a lot. And then you'll yes. sit, you'll be, you'll be at like, you'll be at work and you'll be like, Oh, right. The gas. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? Hey, I'm I'm riding here. Like, what is that in reference to? It's like, right. I have to remember that not everyone has seen the same YouTube video that I've seen. And I can't expect them all to call that knowledge up in, in a heartbeat. I do
0: this shit all the time. Yeah. All the time, like I uh, and I have friends who also do it, and you know what? It's like we we just it, it we don't mind if people don't <laughs> yeah. know because totally. uh, it's like with it, usually you say it within, with the
1: such specific cadence that they know mm. it's from something they just don't care. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like yeah. all right. It's, yeah, um, it's it's usually it's usually dropped without a <laughs> without a, any kind of follow up.
0: Um, do but- you have one that like uh, pops in your mind? One that you say like pretty frequently? Like it comes up. Like, just any, any sort of silly little quote from anything mm. that pops up in your regular uh, just day-to-day,
1: like, hanging out vocabulary. That's a really good question. I know that there are um, – I did a I did a cartoon with the, the same friend I mentioned uh, it, who I do Simpsons with, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I do the, do the Simpsons quote with. Uh, We made a cartoon together and there's a Mm. lot there's a lot of moments from that cartoon because we we recorded it and animated it ourselves. So we heard those tracks over Mm. and over and over while we were animating. And it's not even like. Oh, it's our cartoon. We're so funny. It's just, it's literally from hearing something on loop like a thousand times. In (laughs) that cartoon, I play kind of a a out of control, very maniacal vacuum cleaner salesman. And he's doing his vacuum pitch. Uh, Mm -hmm. And in the background of a scene, he's talking about all the things the vacuum can clean up. And he goes, dirt, dust, and debris. And uh, (laughs) that is something that when I'm with that friend. When we're driving around, we don't necessarily say the words "dirt, dust, and debris," but with that mm-hmm. cadence, if there's like a, th- if there's three <laughs> words that fit those syllables, like, uh, I, I this is not a good example, but it, it'll have to do for now. It's like turn left here. Like that's here is yeah. not two syllables, <laughs> so it doesn't fit. But there, it's. I think with us, it's less. Words and it's more tonality and cadence that we end up sort of parroting. Mm, uh, got yeah, it. That's that's the big one. What about you? What's what's your go-to?
0: Oh, uh, there's so many, but just one that came. You literally popped up uh, without even me even trying. You said that's a really good question. And do you? you I'm sure you've seen this clip of the Mega Man Eight, the vo- bad voice acting. Uh, oh yeah, Doctor yeah, Light. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so yep. one one of the phrases just in my friend. That's a good question. Uh, that that specific anytime anyone's a good question we go that's a good question it, mm. it just it's just that that's one that pops up Ooh, uh, that's no
1: that's that's close to my heart i love that i feel like i've taken moments from symphony of the night as well uh <laughs> i think what is a man like, and that's that's always fun to throw into conversations with like like you know uh, people from a day job you know who really yeah. they're not going to make that connection And it's fun. It's fun to noodle that stuff into like a meeting, you know, like and and let it hang there and be like, you have no idea what I just tucked into this conversation. You'll never know. But it was there and it made me smile and chuckle to myself afterwards.
0: Here's a universal one that Mm. just I've noticed that it's not just me. A lot of people just do this on reflex. Mm. If I count and I say
1: one, two, three, what do you think? More like one, two, three, more instead of four. Oh, what is what is that? That's probably just some stupid thing with friends from college. I don't actually know. Like, okay, very directly, right, but I'm sure there's like a piece of media that that has does something one, two, three that you're about to reference.
0: Okay, okay. I was supposed. I was going for uh the the old Tootsie Pop commercial. One, oh, yeah. two, yeah, three. yeah, but for some right, crunch a three. Like for some reason, this has happened. Like because you know, oftentimes I got to read rule books, right? And mm. sometimes I got to. There's counting for some reason just happens a lot. At, I think because of counting for board games or whatever the fuck. Oh sure. And if I'm Every, ever going, everything, one, everything's
1: a numbered bullet point in in a board yeah yeah exactly
0: <laughs> right. So if I go one, two, three, chances are. Somebody else, including myself, but somebody else will go a three. Like it's oh, just gotcha. fucking... Yes. Oh yeah, just just shit like that. Will just absolutely. It's like it's like it's like automatic like trigger phrases. Will just go ha. Make the you. I say this. You say this.
1: Like that sort of thing. It's- There's a you know what? What I think the the one two three four, uh, more thing just came from actually this uh, on the topic of board games. The other thing I play a fair amount of is Catan, uh, mm. and. Which I believe is just that the complete opposite of Carcassonne. I never play Catan with any expansions. I think the base game mm. is like the most perfectly. It's a it's it's boring to board game heads, but it's also I believe it's so balanced. It's like the most perfectly mm. balanced board game. And whenever mm. this particular group of friends and I are playing Catan, a guy I, I miss Catan nights so much with this crew. I just that was that was a really hard part of COVID was losing the Catan night, uh, mm. but. Every time you roll a number, it's like four, give me more, five is fine, <laughs> six. Like, it's like that stupid announcer voice thing that, yeah, yeah, you know, like and rolling it every time and like eight is great as you collect your resources. <laughs> Just little things like that, those little precious, uh, like. Grating after a while, but also like you, you think about you think about it like two days later, and you just start laughing and you can't stop. Yeah. You know, that's that's the power of game night. Honestly, is those mm. moments. Uh, yeah, the other absolutely. thing I love to do in Catan, there's this one friend. Whenever he gets longest road, I just I, I lean over to him. And I'm like, oh, so you got fucking longest road? Oh, how I envy you the longest road won't stay in your possession for long. And it's just like, it turns into this kind of Vincent Price thing and then he starts giggling. <laughs> it's almost like I'm tickling him. And then it's yeah. just like, and it just goes all night until longest road changes hands. Those are, I mean, like, those are the things that it's just like, uh, that's, that's the real, that's the, like, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love a good board game. I, I could talk good mechanics all night, but like, it's just the those... Those memories that get prompted by playing the game itself is yes. yeah it's 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 been hard to not have that for a very long time so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I uh, could keep talking about
0: board games but oh uh, yeah one thing uh, I like to give the guests the opportunity to uh, do is is there a topic that you would like to bring up or a question for me that you would like to yes ask?
1: yeah I've I've thought about this uh, I yeah, what's actually regarding your Mario fanfic that uh, okay yeah yeah so. I want to ask you, I've only done, Mm -hmm. I've done a very small amount of fanfic in my life. And it's usually, as you can tell, I'm very big into uh, involved overwrought bits. So most of my fanfic experience has been like, write like a dune length piece of ski free fanfiction. Uh, Uh, okay. Okay. You know, like just see if you can do it. See if you can go the distance with the bit. For you though, because you take your Mario fanfic seriously and I respect that. I want to know how you frame your pieces of fan fiction in terms of the Mario canon slash continuity. So, like for example, mm. do you start with like this piece of Mario fan fiction is going to take place in the Mario Super Mario Land world, uh, you know, the Game Boy, the first Game Boy game, uh, mm. or you know, this is a this is a Mario Golf '64 framing or do you condense all Mario games into some kind of overarching canon continuity in which your fiction takes place aha uh-huh. okay so first off
0: uh take it seriously I don't know if it's present tense. This was, this was 15, <laughs> well, like, you, fifteen years ago, you, you, <laughs> but
1: you take the work seriously that you did in the past. Let's frame it like absolutely,
0: that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And actually, I funny you mentioned this. I have to write a Mario fanfic for a, a charity milestone. Oh, fun. so this is actually this is something that I'll have to think about. Uh, so basically, back when I wrote uh, Mario fanfiction, I absolutely condense try to condense everything as if it were into one continuity sure um now the and this way it's funny a friend of mine uh david for those of you who are listeners of the podcast uh he wrote like he was one of those friends of mine because i've had there's a a core group of friends who i've been friends with for god like 18 years or something you know Mm -hmm. we've we've been friends for forever and ever and ever and uh we were all from that mario fan fiction community and he like had not written any he's a writer but he hadn't written any mario fanfic for you Mm. know 15 years, and then he came out with two f- fan fictions recently during the pandemic, and they were both so fucking good, and it made us so mad, because it's like, how dare you oh, I love it. Re- bring this bring this back and be this good with it? And his approach was, basically, he loves taking all the elements from all, even the stupidest games, the games mm. that nobody played, he will go out of his way to play the Mario spin-offs that nobody played just yeah. to get the lore. And then he incorporates it elegantly, I will say, hmm. into one into one uh continuity. Which even the games don't do that. The games yeah. at this point have implied that uh oh I'm gonna if you don't give a shit about this, I'm gonna bore you, but I don't care. Uh no, like I, for example I, I, am, Pit- I
1: am loving this.
0: Okay, okay. Paper Mario now is officially a different canon from Mario. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Yep, oh, totally. Um, Because of the game Paper Jam, which which implies that they are separate continuities. Mm. But in my mind, I go, well, hold on. Now, just because there's a paper Bowser and there's a Bowser, there's a paper Peach and a Peach, Mm -hmm. then that means there must be non-paper versions of all the paper characters. Right. So that doesn't exclude Paper Mario characters from being in. Mario's regular continuity. I see. It just means that there's another I mean this is my this is my interpretation, but that that means that all those characters must exist in Mario's uni- regular Mario's universe. Right, of course, cuz uh, cuz there are there's a Paper Bowser Jr. and all, and all these uh counterparts. So I, I don't think there's any uh any games or anything that like are completely I mean, because Nintendo doesn't give a shit about continuity, because you know they—that's mm-hmm. not what Mario is about. Mario yeah. is about just having fun, and it's for kids, and adults too. But it, it's not—it's not like Zelda, which has like the Hyrule Historia and like, right, oh, right, we right. must, we must preserve. They're just like I don't know. He just—he has—he's a cat in this one. Who cares? Yeah, so, you know. I Me and I, my friends are like, no, we need to, we want to know the lore. And see, I, I like
1: that approach. I like the approach of making it all fit because not to bring it back to Karka Zone, but it's like the big Carca casserole where it's like, we're going to take all of these disparate things and we're going to make it work. And we're going to build this yes. giant thing. Like I remember I played Mario Tennis on Game Boy Color a lot. And mm. spoiler alert for those who are, haven't quite finished Mario Tennis for Game Boy Color yet. I know you're close, Mm. but if if you're not quite there, you don't really see Mario until like the post-credit sequence. It's like a tennis RPG. Mm -hmm. Then you fly in an airplane over a rainbow and you go to what I believe they call it Super Mario World in-game. And then everybody Mm -hmm. kind of marches out like a parade and then you you can pick Mario characters to play tennis against. As a kid playing that, I was like, that was my first breakthrough moment of like, how do I... How do I fit this Camelot tennis game into the rest? How do I this this puzzle piece doesn't fit with the rest of the puzzle pieces, but I want to make it work. And having that Mm -hmm. mental gymnastic session of like, well, and getting creative with it, and thinking of how this could live alongside the mainline games, the sports games, the the paper games, RPG, all of it. Uh, I love exercises like that. I just it's it's fun. So oh that's interesting. That's interesting to me. That yeah. you, that's true. I approach. love that shit.
0: I mean, yeah. if we're gonna dive into Mario Tennis, which I actually have not played the Game Boy Color Mario Tennis, but it's quite fun. from what I understand, it's a bunch of human characters, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Like uh and so it's interesting. Uh oh god, I'm getting nitty gritty, but it seems like you are the guy to who will uh, have tolerance for this. Um Mario Odyssey introduces New Donk City, right? right? Mm-hmm. Which has human-esque characters, but right. they are different proportions than Mario. Mm-hmm. Mario is clearly the odd one out. Now, mm-hmm. is Mario just a strangely proportioned donk- Donkian? So, does mm-hmm. it, it, if, we're, if, if there's a phrase for that. There might actually be a phrase for that. I'm sure David knows. But it, it's like, or is he something else? Uh, <laughs> right. Because not not now that we're diving into this, let's just fucking go for it. Yeah, sure. You know, in Super Mario World 2, because um, the original canon... In the original manuals, is mm-hmm. that he was? They're from Brooklyn, and right? Then they came to the Mushroom Kingdom, but in Super Mario World 2, the one with Yoshi, uh, Yoshi's uh, Island, um, or where it's Baby Mario, uh it's actually the Stork brings Baby Mario and Baby Luigi. In they're in Mushroom Kingdom, mm-hmm. right? they're in that timeline. So right, uh, it's like, is that what is that? What does that imply? Is is he from our our Earth? Which I mm-hmm. think at this point. Nintendo has shied away from except you, the Olympics games, which is right. a whole, who knows about that.
1: I've, uh, I've, I've often tried to do the juggle work of did galaxy create some kind of a parallel, or are we dealing with parallel universes? Mm. I don't love doing like, there's part of me that wants the challenge of no, no, no fit it, fit it all in one, fit it all in the same timeline universe. Just, just figure it out. It's impossible, yeah. but, but that's the fun of it is that it's impossible but there's, I suppose, there's an argument to be made about timeline splitting, a la branching realities in Avengers Endgame, right? Post the events mm-hmm. of Mario Galaxy, I, I, that, that's when I'm having trouble reconciling New Donk versus the Brooklyn backstory. That's usually where I go to. But yeah, I would mm-hmm. love, to, I would love to get the High Rule Historia version of all of this, even if it's just. I a, would kill for com- that. Completely, yes. completely inaccurate. Even if things have to be invented to fill in the gaps, I just want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. I'm fascinated by the idea of that.
0: Now, the fact that you can even talk to me on this level, you must have some. What is your Mario background? Because mm. I, I will say the average person has no idea what we're talking
1: about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep.
0: So, what is your Mario background? Like, I, I mean, I don't think you did Mario fan fiction unless you did. I know I, I, I didn't.
1: I didn't. Uh, okay. My So, um, I guess growing up, I didn't have, I didn't have a console. Uh, my, my parents didn't really want me to have one, uh, which was good and bad. Uh, you mm. know, when I'd go to friends' houses, it sort of made it more special. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but at home also, like, I do think not knowing myself as well as I do now, I'm like, yeah, probably good. You didn't have access to a console all the time when you were a kid. Uh, mm. it made me do a lot of, uh, it made me get into a lot of things like music and, and more like, like you know, illustration, things like that. Uh, sure. r- rough animation. Uh, I I really hesitate to call myself an animator. I've I've learned how to do it to the extent that I can create projects when I want to create projects. I, but like all of that stems from basically like time that was put into it as a kid not being spent mm. on a console. However, similar to how I love being this sort of... Uh, Arbiter with Carcassonne rules. As a kid, I was constantly looking for the loophole and the the angle with my parents, which was like, "Hmm, well, you said no consoles, but you never said anything about PCs." Now PCs mm. have office software, which would be very useful for school. That also turned into a, a follow up argument that once the PC precedent was sent, of like, uh, the precedent was set of saying, you know, my sister, she's in, the, she's on the swim team, and I have to go to these long swim meets, right? And the sure. drive is long to get there. The meets are long. It's hot. Everything smells like, like chlorine. It's unpleasant. We've already sort of broken the seal by getting a PC that has some games on it. What about a Game Boy? Mm. That's not a console. Mm. It's more travel-oriented. So I will say that my big... Uh, I not only my not only my Nintendo Mario introduction was Game Boy, but also like my Final Fantasy introduction was Game Boy. A lot of my JRPG stuff that it all started with Game Boy. Game Boy is a very important, uh, a very important uh <laughs> gaming unit to me, uh, and it mm-hmm. has it opened a lot of the doors for me that allows me to have the conversations that we're having now Game boy will always have a super super special place in my heart
0: We you talking original game boy
1: yeah yeah
0: so mm. the fr- did the fr- you upgrade ar- after a certain point
1: yeah I did color and then I did advanced uh, advanced mm. advance and uh, advanced, I still have my advance to this day it's an Arctic white um, mm. never never did DS but uh, have a, a lot of amazing experiences uh, with advance and color um, I'm a real golden Sun head. Uh, uh yeah mm. yeah i love advanced wars didn't really play fire emblem oddly i was more i more mm. advanced wars than fire emblem growing up with with that okay however uh back to your mario question uh super mario land six golden mm. coins uh you know in terms of carts, it was like you know mario kart super circuit uh mm. you know and it's also the reason why like Zelda. my favorite zelda will always be link's awakening uh because, obviously, it's the, it was it introduced to it on Game Boy. But, like, I'm just always stunned with what the Game Boy could contain and the depth of stories it could tell with such limited hardware. Like, I just, I, I just had this long conversation with someone the other day about, have you you've played Link's Awakening, I'm assuming? Uh, I actually have not. Oh, but wow. I, I know, I, I'm very familiar with it, but I have not played it. Well, I mm, I don't know if I want to spoil this for you. Uh, I think I know the spoiler, but it, just in case, viewers, listeners don't want to know it, you, yeah. you can jump around it if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hop, hop around the timeline. Uh, go back to the Carcassonne section and listen again because there's a lot of choice moments back at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> Link's awakening essentially at the at the he, he goes through this dream world. You know, defeats this shadow monster that's like an amalgamation of all of his uh, previous enemies. He wakes mm-hmm. up in the wreckage, the flotsam of his, shun- of, his, of his sunken ship. And watching this as a kid, the little cinematic that plays at the end, Link pulls himself out of the seawater. He sits on this floating piece of wood and he looks up at the sun and he sees the windfish, which is like the creature that said it was creating the dream world in his mind that needed to be freed. Mm-hmm. He sees the windfish, you know, sail across the front of the sun. The music swells, an incredible soundtrack. And you know his eyes light up, he smiles, and then it cuts to credits Like while well, he's just floating there in the water. As a kid, I was like, mm. oh my God, Link's not going to be rescued. No one's going to find him. <laughs> he's, he's there yeah. to die. His subconscious took him, uh, the, 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 the archetypal adventurer on one final adventure that took him through this mm. island, gave him everything he needed, one last romantic interest, one last monster to slay. All along yeah. the way, he's learning the lesson that everything is finite, everything is impermanent, life ends. Yeah. And at the end, when he wakes up in that wreckage, he's done the work in his subconscious when he was you know, feverishly passed out, hanging onto this log, the old mast of his ship. His subconscious was doing the work of coming to terms with the fact that his, that his life was over. There's this great yeah. book written by this uh, psychiatrist named Irvin Yalom, and it's called Staring at the Sun, and it's all about coming to grips with your mortality. Staring at the sun mm. is obviously a very uncomfortable thing for people to do. Just like the thought thinking about what death really means is. And there's sure. something So something even in that, that, that phrase, staring at the sun. I'm like, oh my God. Link stares at the sun and squints and smiles as he sees sort of the last vestiges of this hallucination of the windfish as it sails away into nothing. As, he's, as he comes to peace with the fact that it's enough and and this is, this is the end of his story. Now, that, sorry for that long diatribe, but the point is that was all communicated on a Game Boy, on a little mm. black and white screen, you know, like a couple inches by yeah. a couple inches. And it's like, that's probably not the canon inter- interpretation of that. But I remember thinking through that as a kid and being like, I the fact that they were able to convey this on this little device that's that's powered by a couple of double a batteries like it's honestly mm-hmm. it kind of like it makes me misty-eyed to think about that yeah so yeah. anyway yeah mario land that was where it all started no i i
0: journey. love that interpretation seriously mm. that is fantastic no oh, thanks uh like i um you know i i knew the spoiler that uh, it's all a dream at the end, or it's, right. a, it's the Windfish's dream. dream. Yeah. And I've never played the game. I know there's one on, you know, re release on Switch, and I still, I'm like, I'm going to play it. Yeah. But whenever I heard about it, it just, it sounds so tragic to me. Mm-hmm. But everyone just thinks of that game so finally, like, like, oh, it's just so fun. But it's like, is is it presented in a, like, <laughs> do the characters in the dream realize that they are not real <laughs> do they yeah do they-
1: there's there's this moment where you know it's I, I read somewhere that the game was actually very much influenced by twin peaks when it was being developed and there's mm, okay. so the whole dream like aspects there's there's there is a little bit of a like as as much as you can make a game boy lynchian i think back then there's like a moment mm. where all of the as the instruments all come together to play like the song of the windfish that wakes the windfish up you see all the scenes that Link has visited along the way and they all fade to white with this big sort of wave crashing noise and it's yeah. it, it's that's actually really hard to watch if you if you're the kind of person who develops a kinship with characters as you play games because you're mm. you're seeing them literally get like evaporated by the waking world yeah. and it's yeah it's like i i'm so moved by that game and i'm so like I'm so inspired by that game and the depth of storytelling that it's able to accomplish with such a like limited like quote unquote limited medium but like it's also it's it 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 retains a certain amount of like happy happy adventurer energy throughout so you never you never mm. I I have not played the switch version either so I don't know if that differs but you know it you you never lose the sense that you are on uh you are you are link and you are bounding around with your sword and shield and solving puzzles and having a great time it it never gets heavy Mm -hmm. in that sense um Mm. but yeah and and that ending honestly is also that ending cinematic is very uplifting it's just like i remember interpreting it that way as a kid and thinking like yeah that actually is it's cool that i was able to reach this interpretation from such a such a small device um sure sure yeah you you mentioned were you going to say something about Mario Land? Oh yeah, so uh, I love the original Mario Land, um, mm. probably because I'm a Game Boy, a Game Boy boy. Uh, but yeah. you know, there, a I think the soundtrack is fantastic. I think it has like some of Mario's most memorable music. Uh, mm-hmm. The first land, it's a really short game, but it's so fun. It's such a fun exercise to me to kind of see how something like Super Mario Brothers would be converted to a black and white medium with such a limited screen mm-hmm. range. Um, I also love six golden coins. I just, I I love like, I love the introduction of Wario and sort of the dark near yes. Mario, especially like, you know, Wario is such a fun character now, but like original Wario was kind of frightening. Uh, yeah. and th- and felt he's like very he- big and very grotesque. Yeah, he is. And he's, 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 a, he's a real threat. They really raised the stakes, I feel like with, uh, you know, uh, you, I actually was trying to remember this before I hopped on. Um, what's the name of the, of the big bad from from the first land? Uh, the one in the UFO. Um, Tatanga. I, Tatanga, thank you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if anything is kind of missing from land one, it's like a great antagonist. And I mm. feel like Wario kind of steps in and, and you're like, oh, I didn't expect the second Mario Game Boy iteration to have like such an interesting bad guy. And it's I was expecting yeah. it to be just like yeah we'll drop Bowser in there for the second one, because the second mm-hmm. one more closely mimics you know the Super uh, Nintendo generation Mario games. But no, it's just yeah. like they they did something so interesting, which is like yeah this is there is a very grotesque like Funhouse Mirror version of Mario who is greedy, and you need to you need to unlock the back door of the castle and get back in there and, and boot him out. Uh, I feel like you could take. Chances like that on Game Boy a little bit, you know, it could be a yeah. little, it could be a little bit out of the, out of the established pattern of the console games. Um, right. yeah. Was, Game was, Boy, was, the DS as well, I think had some very adventurous titles as well. Definitely. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, with, I was, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I always compared it to like playing a ukulele instead of playing a guitar. You know, it's like less, mm. less strings and less buttons but also like the, the the kind of music you you can make is obviously much different than a guitar. But it's also like it's it's very it's beautiful in its own respect. Uh, right. And, and they also and they also play together very nicely. So you know a console and a a console and a Game Boy game can live alongside. Uh, it, they can coexist in a really wonderful and interesting way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It
0: makes me a little. I mean. I love the Switch, and I love that it's portable, but it mm-hmm. does make me a little sad that we don't have that right. similar sort of relationship, right? Where it was mm-hmm. always like... Because
1: you, you, you never got like a 3DS either? I didn't get a 3DS. Uh, mm, okay. I, I just... I, I enjoyed the... I think what you're saying, that smaller experience, kind of seeing like Mario Tennis 64 alongside Mario Tennis Game Boy Color and just realizing that these are in the same vein, the same family but such drastically different experiences, yet still so complementary of one another to the point where the cartridge can integrate through the N64 controller to unlock characters on the N64 cartridge mm-hmm. from the Game Boy card. There's some it's a beautiful synchronicity to that that I just, I, I, I agree with you. I love the Switch, play my Switch all the time, but I do miss that sort of like, these are two family members who are very different, but who also work together in a, in a very special way. Sure.
0: Uh, going back to something you kind of mentioned, you mentioned like you, as a kid, you were into music and animation mm-hmm. and then of course, uh, so what, what was the path to voiceover from there? Like, oh, from, from childhood interests. And like, what what was sort of your journey to that? Like, was that something you c- cared give gave a shit about
1: as a kid or? Yeah. Or did, yeah. Or what, I mean, yeah. like, uh, I always loved acting. Uh, mm. and I think like in terms of Trying to think of how to best phrase this so when i was growing up i had a packard bell computer from 1993 that had like windows 3.11 on it uh, mm. i love old dos games old windows games that had just the aesthetic of old dos and windows stuff and there was a piece of software called action 2.0 or action 2.5 i can't remember it doesn't matter mm. and Action was like a, it was either a precursor or a knockoff of PowerPoint. So when I was a kid, there was an Activision game called Plaque Attack. And it was a game where you would fly a little tube of toothpaste around a mouth. And you would shoot like donuts and candy with toothpaste before it could get on the teeth. Which were attached Mm. to gums at the bottom and top of the screen. And I was like, you know what would be really funny is if i animated a version of Plaque attack but i made it like a political intrigue thriller and so okay as a kid i used action 2.0 i like modified the software somehow i i don't really remember how i did this but i basically turned it into a very crude rudimentary piece of animation software and okay, I got a little crappy plastic microphone and wrapped it in Kleenex so that that would act as a windscreen. And I just did all the character voices. And I I was you know wow. I was all the women and I pitched my voice up for that. I was all the I was the Plaque Monsters that were trying to infiltrate the government, and I pitched the voice down for that. And I made actually I still have it uh, at, my, at my parents' house in Des Moines. It's on a VHS. You could only like load about a minute's worth of animation in this thing before it completely crashed the computer. So I had sure. from our library, you could rent this piece of hardware that you could plug into the CPU's uh, monitor output, run RCA cables into a into a VHS uh, recorder, yeah. v- VCR. And I, I just would record minute by minute. I'd leave a little tail time at the end of it so I could rewind a second and then, and then jut it back in. And these things are, like, they're long. I made three of them, three plaque attacks, the, the plaque attack yeah. trilogy. And it was, like, I was—I always thought it was so funny, like, adaptations that weren't super uh, faithful to the source material. It just, it tickled mm. me so much. So, this mm. whole, my version of plaque attack was all about, like, the government of whatever this mouth was in this Activision game. And, like, do we invest in more... Toothpaste ships to blast away <laughs> the Captain Cavities, you know, like the creatures. There's, you know, the plaque becomes like a a species of itself, and it's like, where does that fit into our society? And like, it tickles me that it was so involved and so uh, it, it, so much work even back then. But that was really yeah. honestly like the the where it all started. That was the first like mm. I wrote this. I decided to animate it, uh, and I did all the voices. And it's like that's kind of the whole package for everything. There's echoes of everything I would end up doing creatively down the line in my adult life. It all started with the plaque attack mm-hmm. trilogy. Um That's I, fucking great. I should How old were at you? at some point. I was probably like uh like twelve, thirteen, I think, when I did okay. that. And, and this then, was And, and this was like this was like this was the, the Packard Bell at this point was ancient, I should clarify. This I I wasn't 12 in 1993, but like it made it even harder because by that point that computer was fried. So I was like working on equipment Mm. that didn't work very, very well, trying to make things work with like with limited, limited equipment and and materials and resources at my disposal, which also sort of carried through into a lot of the future endeavors I did as well. Trying to make something out of not a a lot. And how long were the Plaque attacks like each i film. need to go back and watch i want to say the second one was like i could i could be completely off base i want to say the second one was 10 minutes the second one was the where i really okay. put a lot of my effort the first one was a little more straightforward more of a traditional adaptation of of plaque attack in that there's a big flight sequence where the toothpaste tube is shooting at things the second one i was like no we're we're going all into the politics and uh oh, shit. Then the third one, you know, I honestly don't know if I technically finished the third one, but that one was a time skip. We jumped 20 years into the future, and the pilot of the of the toothpaste ship, who was the main character, uh, I think I called him Guy, maybe. It was 20 years mm-hmm. in the future, and he had become despondent and alcoholic because his his piloting days were behind him, and he didn't know what to do. Like, he didn't know who he was if he wasn't a pilot. And the whole thing yeah. was this sort of sad... Look into the future, where it was like the villain from the second one got off on the on the charges against him, opened up this <laughs> opened up a string of like successful nightclubs amidst the teeth, so like he was doing really well for himself and like hadn't really faced the the justice uh that he yeah. that he should have from the second one. There was like one of the plaque monsters like survived but like lived in the in the mouth sewer system like i I look back on that stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, this has this smacks of all the things, all the cartoons I would make down the line, all the things I would pitch down the line, uh, you know, themes of like loneliness and despondency. And, uh, you know, it's all there, man. It's all there at 12 in a nice little, in a nice little VHS package. So I think the problem with Placatech 3 was, it was really long. Like it got to a point where the, the hardware couldn't handle it anymore. But I want to say mm. that was certainly the longest and probably clocked in at 15 minutes before it. Before it like broke the computer, probably. That was a very long answer you, to your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> that no, I love this. You okay. absolutely need to upload these. I should. Like, I should make that a project this year. I should go. I should go get those. Uh, Even uh, just for your own sake, because yeah. to lose that right. would be a tragedy. This is like, a fu- this is a fun little thing. I just as I'm talking through this to you, I'm remembering some things. Plaque Attack Two. Also, I made a little a bumper to put on the front of it that had like the soundtrack for plaque Attack and it's like available at Sam Goody uh you know, <laughs> you know remember like on on movies on VHS types they'd always have like yeah. A, like yeah pick up the pick up the soundtrack at Virgin Records available now and the and the the soundtrack was all midi files that i stole off of a site for like Final Fantasy Adventure and i i don't know what else oh old Sierra oh, adventure shit. games things like that yeah it was man that was just it's fun as you get older and you are just constantly running out of time and there's just not enough hours in the day to do all the things you want to do. It is fun to think back about that stuff when you had nothing but time and nothing but energy, yeah. Yeah. you know, and nothing was stopping you from from putting things like this together. Oh, man, I wish you had written Mario. Fan- I wish
0: you were in that community because I, I would have loved to see what you would have written. It wasn't oh, it wasn't fan God.
1: fiction. It wasn't fan fiction. But I did do a Mega Man screenplay that took place in uh, Jamestown around 1776. I was like, OK, could I, could I take the Mega Man canon and could I put it in the Revolutionary War era and make it work? And now I'm not claiming this is good. This I'm sure it's a hot dumpster mess. But uh-huh. like, I, I I agree with you. I kind of wish I would have found the fan fiction uh, community back then too, because if I was willing to make that screenplay at, at like 13, 14, I'm sure the fan fiction stuff would have been would have been really interesting and fun. It would have you come- can't just not explain a little bit more about this Mega Man thing. Oh, just, okay, the, even yeah.
0: with the TLDR, just. How how did
1: you? What what were some of the ways you incorporated it into that time? I remember it was very steampunk, and Mega Man's a lawyer, Mm -hmm. and like I think it's like it's like set in like 1760 or something, and you know there's tensions are tensions are brewing with the British, and I think Doctor Wiley comes over from England, and he (laughs) (laughs) he's trying. It's there was something to always I always put court cases in these things, Uh, like yeah. I don't know why or where that comes from, but uh, there's something like Mega Man. I think it, his name is something man when he's a human. Mm. Then he's injured by Dr. Wily and his, his sort of steampunk 1760s era. It's like, you know, there's like, like Leaf Man shows up because he's made out of wood, which like seems doable back then. Whatever, whichever robot masters really translated to steampunk, I think mm. were the ones I picked. And then Dr. Light uh, ends up sort of finding Mega Man when he's wounded in the streets, and like he wakes up and he he has like you know, like like brass gears and cogs in his chest, and he's got a little like pipe coming out of his shoulder that's letting steam out. and he's like, well, I'm not I, I, I wish I could remember his name. It was like it was probably like something like, you know James man. He's like, I'm not James Mann anymore. I'm something greater, something." Mega. It's it was so bad. But it's just, <laughs> oh my god. And then like the then Incredible. like the, the, the red coats are there at some point, and there's like a battle, like everybody's got like, you know, gunpowder and muskets, and like that's happening while he's battling these steampunk robot masters in the background. And I want to say there was some something from history, a la kind of like the X-Men prequel movies they did where like all of their big action scenes always happened around some real you know like Bay of Pigs or you know the JFK assassination I think I tried to incorporate something from history into like the big final battle between Wily and Mega Man Uh, so you finished it I did and I don't know I don't know where that is I don't know what computer that's on yeah, that's, uh, I know I can get, I can get the plaque attacks. I don't know if I can get the Mega Man screenplay. I don't, I don't know if I can salvage that. <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like you and I would have gotten, gotten along very well at that age. I, I get that sense. I,
0: I, I absolutely like this. uh Wow. Thank you for sitting down for this. Like, of course. Seriously. My I, pleasure. I feel, I feel like I've gotten to know you so much better in the best possible way. Yeah, this has been great. <laughs> it's been like, really great. Yeah.
1: Where can people find you? I mean, we talked about it, but yeah, just yeah hit uh, us again with that screen name. If you want to see a really old photo of me in a white bathrobe holding a, uh, holding a saxophone, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at white bathrobe. Uh, I'm, I don't do much on Instagram, but uh, I'm Ben Lepley. I got Ben Lepley for that one, L-E-P-L-E-Y. So uh, feel free to follow me there too. That's like I'll, announce, I'll post a role announcement once every three years on Instagram. So it, it's worth your time. It's definitely worth a follow.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much, man. Uh, thank you. Man, I am seriously waiting for a plaque attack. Oh I yeah, am... I will.
1: I'll, I'll tag you when that goes up, and
0: uh, with bated breath, please yeah. I'll be uh, release that to the public. Absolutely. Uh, but thank you again. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care.